under heavy Masonic Welcome to the Revolutionary Radio Project. I am your host, Rob Skiba. And just a couple of quick announcements before we get started here. Uh, got some plans in the works to restart some things that uh, I had done in the past. And, um, well, first of all, this is Quest for Truth, sort of, uh, I guess you'd say 2.0 or maybe even 3.0. Um, we're doing this Genesis and Enoch edition, myself and Zen Garcia. Back in 2013, Quest for Truth was originally started with Doug Hamp and I, and we were doing primarily the Book of Revelation. The first few episodes were just kind of random talk topics. We just talked about you know, whatever. Uh, and I think it was around episode three or four or so, somewhere in there, that we decided, hey, why don't we just go through the Book of Revelation line by line, verse by verse. And so we did that for about a year or so, and we only got up to... A think we we were supposed to the next show we would have done would have been revelation chapter 9 beginning of verse 1 uh when the show kind of imploded because of the whole flat earth thing <coughs> but um prior to the show dissolving at that time doug and i had taken a break for a little while we were kind of both doing our own thing and then we came back together again in 2015 and did sort of uh a, a Quest for Truth Reloaded, and what we were doing back then was we were telling the audience, hey, uh, tell you what, why don't you watch, you know, episode one, for example, uh, and then whatever day we were doing it, you know, let's say it was Friday, uh, 8 o'clock, let's say, uh, so we'd tell people, hey, watch episode one sometime before then, and then uh, Friday, 8 o'clock, we're going to come on, and it was uh, co-hosted by Now You See TV, and uh, we were basically okay, have you, they were kind of co-hosting with us and saying, hey, have, have you guys had any more time to think about what you did, you know, back in 2013? Do you still believe the same things you believed back then? Have your views changed at all? And we were fielding questions from the audience related to that episode. And so we did that. We did Quest for Truth Reloaded up till about episode nine, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, so you can see I'm showing it on the YouTube right now. Quest for Truth episode 9 uh, we were talking about the Nicolaitans and stuff like that and then we did the Reloaded where we had the commentary on it and uh, interaction with the audience and it was right around this time that uh, Doug said you know what I'm done and he was he was out and that ended uh, our show together and so basically from episode 10 through 28 we never had a continued uh, continued commentary on those episodes and I was thinking about it the other day I said yeah it'd be kind of fun to pick that back up again and so I talked to Jake Grant and uh, Jake agreed to co-host with me so uh, we haven't set a date yet we're gonna figure out what what our schedule is gonna be like and what's gonna work out the best for for both of us to do that but we're gonna restart the quest for truth reloaded series uh, beginning in episode 10 so you guys can if you want to get a head start on it watch episode 10 and then we will 
uh, come on and, and Jake will talk to me about how my views have changed, if at all, since 2013 on whatever topics we were talking about and field questions from you related to that episode. So that should be fun. Uh, the other thing that we are restarting, and, and this is happening this Saturday, is we are restarting quest, uh, the um, Virtual House Church. Uh, that's I did it for about four years, then took a break for a few years, and just had a feeling like, you know what, I think it's something I should probably get started, start it back up again. Sheila's been kind of hounding me on it, saying you should do it. Uh, several people have. And um, so I talked to Kevin. Uh, Kevin Roberts was the leader of our home group fellowship when we were doing home Bible studies that led into the idea of virtual house church when we were actually doing our own real-life house church. Uh, and Kevin since moved to North Carolina, and uh, you know our our home group hung on for a little hung on for a little bit longer, you know, a few years or so, and then eventually kind of just dissolved. And so I, I talked to him. I said, would you be interested in coming on and maybe restarting Virtual House Church with me? Because he had such great insights. And he said, yeah, sure. So I'll probably bring uh, Kevin and a few other people on to uh, do our Virtual House Church Torah studies. And that will begin probably at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Saturday. So that what's the date? Today is the 20th, so uh, May 23rd. Saturday, May 23rd at about 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, so keep an eye out for that here on my YouTube channel. We'll be picking up with this uh, coming weekend is the beginning of the Book of Numbers, so starting in Numbers Chapter 1. So uh, that should be fun. Looking forward to that, and uh, of course, looking forward to our show this evening with my partner, Zen Garcia, for this study on the Book of Enoch. Zen, are you there, sir? I am, brother. Always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you in the listening audience yeah man excited to jump back into it again i think we're getting ready to jump into the uh animal apocalypse i believe this evening <laughs> uh right <laughs> uh but before that uh i got an email from you this week uh you released another book looks like um yeah i'm releasing a book on the pre-adamites and the antediluvian world uh should be less than a month um if you're if you're talking about the newsletter, I think they, uh, my children are um, pre-released it, and so nice. yeah, it should be coming out really soon. But I, I did a couple of shows on it to bring out some content, and it's interesting because even this evening I was speaking about a, a particular portion. Um, it's called the Wulam Olam, and it's an hmm. old pictographic story from the native peoples and it talks about the creation of the earth and then how the the ancient serpent you know came and um, basically went to war against the the well not the it doesn't say children of adam but the good people um and then it led to the destruction of the earth and and i was talking about how also the depiction of it in the very first you know where in the Bible, it says um, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. It shows a flat plane and a vaulted dome <laughs> over, and that's the nice. symbol of creation at the very beginning. When was that written? Uh, uh, thousands of years ago, but it's an excerpt from uh, a text, a manuscript that we published called the Book of Earth, and it's this woman that, uh, like the the writer of. Um, 
paradise, uh, the North Pole as the cradle of humanity. Um, he brings forth all these ancient um, ideas and concepts on cosmology, and even though they are all, you know, biblical cosmology with the flat plane of the earth and then the heavens spread out as curtain above it, like it says in Isaiah, and and um, just as this ancient manuscript as well, but and she's a heliocentrist, but she still preserves all of the teachings and brings forth in ideology all of the ancient depictions of cosmology as we teach it and so mm -hmm. uh, it's a fascinating manuscript but I went through this whole ancient account and this ancient story and it talks about how the earth was once uniform and like the the shape of um, the back of a turtle or and it was called Turtle Island at that time and then it speaks about how at the end, after the serpent came down and um, it started introducing war and disease and sickness and things like that and starting to murder the good people, that there was a destruction um, and that the Turtle Island, which was all one island in uniform like Pangaea, that it was destroyed and the continents were separated and the tribes and the peoples and things of that nature were scattered. And so um, I connected it all to, you know, the Genesis 1-2, the earth becoming without form and void, and talking about Second Peter uh, chapter 3 and all of that. And so it was a very interesting study. And I do cover that whole concept in very great detail in this particular manuscript, because, of course, I begin with the war in heaven and then go into the whole narrative of, Genesis 1-2 and speaking about the antediluvian age and the Atlantean times and all of that leading up to uh, the enslavement of the pre-Adamites and then onward. And so it's going to be a very interesting book. Nice. Uh, speaking of antediluvian world, uh, did you happen to catch the True Legends conference this past weekend? I did not. I did not have any time. Did you? I was going to ask you about that, actually. I did. Yeah, I uh, I did the virtual thing. Well, it was the whole conference That's was virtual. That's so cool. So, uh, yeah. I didn't watch everybody yet. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I watched, uh, let me see, who, I watched Derek Gilbert first. Uh, his was an interesting talk. Uh, uh, it's been a while. I did, let's see. Uh, Gary Wayne. Uh, Gary was the one that really kind of kicked things off about the um, the the sort of the gap theory, I guess you could say the, oh, you know, the awesome. pre pre Adamites. Yeah, uh, he kicked it off. Um, I I haven't watched uh, Russ Dizdar yet. I I plan to, but his stuff tends to be pretty heavy. He's <laughs> like you got right. It's like, I mean, I love the guy, but man, sometimes he just it's like, oh boy, that's some dark stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, really. Um. Who he works in that world. So. Yeah. Uh, I listened to L.A. Marzulli. Um, uh, several. And Steve Quayle. And um, I'm trying to think of who. There was another guy I watched, too. Um, anyway, they, they were all talking about it. Like, almost. Really? Uh, yeah, Dr. Michael Lake. Oh. I watched his, too. Like, pretty much everybody. surprising. Yeah. It's like pretty much everybody, at least that I watched, uh, went down that path. They, hmm. they addressed it. Of course, you know I'm, I'm yelling at the the monitor watching Gary Wayne. I mean, I love the guy. He's got some great stuff, but 
he has biblical cosmology on the screen. Like he has <laughs> he has the logos Bible software uh, uh-huh. picture on the screen, and yet he's talking about you know the the, the universe and the cause you know the Copernican yeah. Copernican model. Um, right. And trying to say that you know the firmament is just the sky, and I'm like, dude, oh, like, no, I'm like, dude, really? you like, you have the graphic on the screen, you know? I'm like, ah, ah like, unfortunate. It it was. I mean, if you can, you know, if you if you come at that conference from a, a what we would consider biblical cosmological worldview, it's very frustrating because because uh, yeah. they get that so much. For me, right? Yeah, you'll be you'll be yelling at the, <laughs> the screen yeah, a few times. I'm sure. Uh, it was good though. I mean, it was it was a it was a good conference. I mean, I enjoyed it. But you know, of course, they're all about you know Nibiru, Planet X, you know Wormwood. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Horn's got a new book, The Wormwood Prophecy. You know, with the uh, asteroid or whatever going to hit the Earth. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I, I I love Steve Quayle, but he's one of those guys that I can't listen. to, Kind of like Russ, you know, I, I can't listen to a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, even you know, there's like the we had on the Christian side we had Steve Quayle, and then sort of on the secular sort of Christian side we had Alex Jones, and like if you listen to either or both of those guys like all the time, you're like, what's the use, man? I'm just you know, give me a bullet. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly, right. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, there's you know a lot of a lot of just you kind of feel hopeless sometimes, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like they yeah. try to end on a hopeful note, you know. Yeah, but we got Jesus, you know, and you okay. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, I'm just like, okay, you guys are so you're in. Of course, L.A. L.A.'s got a new book coming out that he's he's working on. On it's all about the second incursion. So I'm going because uh-huh. he he never ta- he never skips a beat when it comes to that. It's like w- whenever he does a conference, he always he never mentions my name, but he always throws out the <laughs> my thesis. Right. He's, he's like, you know, uh, some people teach that it was one of the, you know, wives of the three sons. He was like, I just can't go there. You know, I can't, I can't, go. you know, he's, he's, and I'm like, okay, dude, I'm assembling my ammo <laughs> so mm-hmm. so that right. when he comes out with his book, I'm going to destroy it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Moses, like, you know, the same guy who wrote Genesis 6-4 also wrote Genesis 9-18 and 19. And it tells right. you uh-huh. point blank, you know, these are the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And oh, by the way, Ham is the father of Canaan. Right. You know, exactly. and then it, it's, it says that through them was the whole earth populated. Populated. I'm like, right. that, that's the end of it, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because he goes on and talks about the Canaanite, you know, he's all on the, he's got some great stuff on the, on the trail of the Nephilim and you know, all the research he's been doing, traveling the world. The conehead skulls and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. and you know, I believe the same way that there was a, a Nephilim uh, diaspora in the time of Joshua, when the Israelites are going through the land and just you know wiping these guys out. Right. The commandment was to utterly destroy them, and they were doing a pretty good job of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, at that time, they drove the ones that they didn't utterly destroy were many of which uh, scattered. Uh, they, yeah, they, they were scattered, or or you know, it says that uh, you know some remained in. Um, uh, was it Gaza and Gath and whatever? Right. And those mm-hmm. are the ones that David and his boys had to take out. But yeah, you know, many of the others took off, you know, into Europe and then eventually over over here to this side of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but he's always talking about the Canaanites, the Canaanites, Canaanites, Canaanites. And God had to wipe out the Canaanites, and you know, these are Nephilim and blah blah. I'm like, yeah, but Ham is the father of Canaan. <laughs> like, right. I, exactly. It tells yeah. you uh, point blank, dude. I mean, right. So anyway, I, you know, I, I still, 
you know, they may not like me much, but I still love those guys. And it, yeah, yeah, me too. I greatly respect all of them. I just wish they could. I mean, they're such great researchers, and yet for them not to be able to make that, and it's just an unwillingness. You know, it's not that it's even difficult to establish the truth of cosmology. I mean, there's no curvature. I mean, that one thing alone. And then the whole thing of that we're spinning a thousand thirty-seven miles an hour faster than the the speed of sound and a bullet shot from the gun. I mean, all that is ludicrous too. And so, it's not that difficult to establish the truth of cosmology. Yeah, I was I was watching. Um, uh, I believe it was uh, Doctor Lake's presentation, and uh, you know these guys, of course, they all love the Book of Enoch and everything. And he was talking about time. And uh, he was trying to say that uh, it was either during Joshua's long day or Hezekiah's, you know, sundial going backwards. That, uh, and of course, I have to remind myself that was me five years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right. Trying to say, well, maybe the Earth's orbit changed and, you know, the Earth didn't quite speed back up or, you know, whatever. I'm like, dude! <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, again, I had to just like, okay, that was me five years ago. So, right, I believe the same thing. I would have made up the same kind of excuses when you just can't accept it. You know. Yeah, 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 and it's unfortunate. Um, you know, because Gary and I uh, are really good friends, and uh, and he's never really took a stance on cosmology, it, just because he's always declared that he hasn't really researched it. And you know, he's a great researcher as well and so yeah it's unfortunate that but i can see him going to that conference that there is no way you can oppose it you know yeah because otherwise you would not be so maybe he was oh okay so maybe he was uh he was given a signal <laughs> right he's saying one yeah. thing but he's got it on the screen like he like he literally had the logos software biblical hebrew cosmology mm-hmm. on the screen when he was trying to describe, you know, but it was trying to say the firmament was the sky yeah. and everything. So, uh, yeah, so he would have had to conform, you know, to that whole. Otherwise, he wouldn't be invited back or <laughs> no, he'd kidding. be blacklisted, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so, did you pay for it? I wonder if you could still. Uh, if, no, if it's still I didn't. Possible but to... if, if I can, if, you know, if I can still pay for it and it's still up for me to review. I, I would be down for doing that. I just did not have the time because I'm trying to, you know, I'm focused on, and whenever I'm sitting up in my wheelchair, I'm I'm trying to get as much as I can done on my own stuff. And so yeah, that's, and then in the evenings, almost every night last week and, you know, most of the nights this week, I, ha- I have shows, I have broadcasts, so I don't get to watch at night because uh, I'm doing radio shows and then during the day I'm working so come on man (laughs) (laughs) slacker you slacker (laughs) yeah no actually I I was a slacker I literally didn't do anything like the whole weekend of course Shabbat you know tend not to do anything anyway on Shabbat yeah but uh, yeah Yeah. I was a a total couch potato uh, Mm. over over the weekend uh, yeah Sabbath is tomorrow for me oh that's right you guys are on a, a sliding schedule Mm-hmm. All right. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, any other announcements or anything else going on on, on your side before we jump in? No, uh, just, you know, working hard on that. And, and it's good. You know, I think that it's really good for people to take time off and especially honoring the Sabbath. And, you know, and I love just especially if the day is sunny to just be outside and to, mm-hmm. to be outside in the creation because, you know, doing work on the computer, it's always inside the house and yeah. separate from the creation. And so, yeah, I like to. I like to use those days to be with the creation and with God and yeah. the great mystery of everything. So, Yeah, right on. All right, uh, so I think it's chapter 80 for me and 81 for you. Does that sound right? Um, I thought we had gone a little bit further, but uh, maybe. Let's look, check. I'm looking at 79. Uh, that was where... Yeah, the soil. Yeah, the seed's not gonna bear stuff. That the uh, okay. heaven shine. Oh yeah, the sun's gonna do weird stuff. Yeah, so we we covered that I think with the signs and the sun, moon, and stars. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, and they shall transgress and think themselves gods. Yeah. Yeah, that's so right. We, mm-hmm. we covered that. Okay, so let's see. I got five minutes. I should be able to get through this. Chapter eighty in the Lawrence. He said, O Enoch, look on the book which heaven has gradually dropped down, and reading that which is written in it, understand every part of it. Then I looked on all which was written and understood all, reading the book and everything written in it, all the works of man, and all of the children of flesh upon earth during the generations of the world. Immediately after I blessed the Lord, the King of glory, who has thus forever formed the whole worksmanship of the world. And I glorified the Lord on account of his long-suffering and blessing towards the children of the world. At that time, I said, Blessed is the man who shall die righteous and good, against whom no catalog of crime has been written, and with whom iniquity is not found. Then those three holy ones caused me to approach, and placed me on the earth before the door of my house. And they said unto me, Explain everything to Methuselah thy son, and inform all thy children that no flesh shall be justified before the Lord, for he is their creator. During one year we will leave thee with thy children, until thou shalt again recover thy strength, that thou mayest instruct thy family, write these things, and explain them to all thy children. But in another year they shall take thee from... In another year they shall take thee from the midst of them, and thy heart shall be strengthened, for the elect shall point out righteousness to the elect. The righteous with the righteous shall rejoice, congratulating each other, but sinners with sinners shall die, and the perverted with the perverted shall be drowned. Those likewise who act righteously shall die on account of the works of man, and shall be gathered together on account of the works of the wicked. In those days they finished conversing with me, and I returned to my fellow men, blessing the Lord of worlds. Uh, so we kind of covered some of that in um, the Joshua chapter 3. Right. Where it says, you know, because we wonder, you know, why was it that Enoch was found worthy to be taken up? You right. know, Enoch was not, for God took him. Um, and it's it, it when you go back to Joshua chapter three, it tells you why that was because he started increasingly spending more and more time alone with God until yes. you know it was like 
let's say, a day with God, a week with God, a month with God, and the rest with man, until it got to where he was spending, the, you know, like every Majority. day, every day except for one or two with God and, you know, one or two with man. And uh, basically he was like, okay, he was like, yeah, you're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come hang out with me instead, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, you know, it was my contention when I was looking at a sort of the synchronized, biblically endorsed extra-biblical text that uh, being that being Genesis, Exodus, Genesis, Enoch, Joshua, and Jubilees, you know, all put together give you an extended, extremely elaborated story on what's happening. Is that, you know, there? However long a time he was in heaven during the last eighty chapters that we've been reading, he did come back, and right. uh, was educating, of course, his son Methuselah, but with the idea of passing that knowledge on and writing what was it 360 books or 66 books yeah that uh we don't have anymore uh right. unfortunately i was so i don't remember if it was somebody that was talking this weekend on the conference or if it was something else that i'd seen uh that somebody had a there was some prophecy that some kind of uh massive uh archaeological find was going to happen like really soon somebody had prophesied that um, and I, you know, the first thought came in my mind, Ooh, I, man, I wonder, you know, wasn't it, wasn't it on our show that we were talking about that? Like, wouldn't it be cool if, uh, you know, a whole bunch of books were found? Oh, we were talking about that with regard to Paul, I think, uh, stuff that would validate Paul's ministry. But mm-hmm. regardless, I just, you know, they, they talk about supposedly there's a library or some kind of a secret vault uh, underneath one of the paws right. of the Sphinx, I guess. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was because I had speculated quite some time ago, and wondered if the Great Pyramid was not the location where the the, the tablets of Enoch were stored, in the mm-hmm. so-called King's uh, sarcophagus there, because they, they all they all agree that no body was ever found there. Right. Oh yeah, that was definitely not a tomb. Uh, certainly not, and that sarcophagus was put there to make it look like a tomb but um, yeah those those pyramids were not created to be tombs no and and Kent Hovind had pointed out uh, that the interior dimensions of the king's sarcophagus matches the exterior dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant which I always thought well that's interesting yeah that is very interesting oh we're going to break come back It's amazing how people have been raving about Aya Life all over Facebook. They've been posting their testimonials just because they want to get the word out because it's worked so well for them. If you're not familiar with Aya Life, it's a 99% pure CBD oil, but the secret is the synergy between the hemp and the ayahuasca vine, the non-psychoactive component of the ayahuasca tea. We recently received an email from a wife whose husband has Parkinson's. For the first time, he's been able to sleep through the entire night. Another customer reported that they're no longer using NSAIDs because their tennis elbow has been relieved with Aya Life. The reports have been phenomenal and much more than we ever expected. Everyone should have access to this. That's why if you head on over to ayalife.com right now, 
and use coupon code TFR, we'll give you $5 towards your order. And we'll even ship it worldwide. That's IALife.com. A-Y-A Life.com. So you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. If you have hard water, the LimeScale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate LimeScale and other water issues like brown staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com. Travis Cook, America's evil genius, here to invite you to join us every Tuesday afternoon here on Truth Frequency Radio. No, on our show you will not see a bunch of three-piece suits or a cocktail party. And you certainly won't see a bunch of inside the Beltway banter. But you will see eye-gouging, crotch-kicking, no-holds-barred political discussion, the likes of which you won't see anywhere else in media. America's Evil Genius. We come to you every Tuesday from the outskirts of war-torn St. Louis, Missouri, where there's always a good race rider sex scandal just around the corner. Join us every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and noon on the left coast right here on TFRLive.com. America's Evil Genius, Travis Cook, on TruthFrequencyRadio.com. You're listening to the Truth Frequency Radio Network. No hate, no hype, no, 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 no We're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and right before the break, we were talking about uh, the time that Enoch was spending going back and forth and how he uh, he was up in heaven for however long he was during the previous 79 chapters, and then he was brought back to earth uh, to teach his son Methuselah what needed to be taught. And um, are you of the opinion, Zen, that... Um, that the Great Pyramids were built by the house of uh, Seth? Um, I'm not certain as to that. And the, the reason I am, am not certain is because of the possible age of the pyramids. And I, I believe that these particular structures, the megalithic, um, that they are part of what is the Cyclopean age and that that 
is previous to and connected with the the prior times and uh, even before the pre-Adamites and that the fallen angels were the ones that had constructed a lot of the megalithic structures. Uh, but I do know that it does in some places attribute the pyramids as having been built by Enoch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but again, uh, I'm one of those that believes that these structures are very ancient and even the weathering shows that um, they were there at a time when water and rain mm-hmm. were very prevalent. And even if it wasn't water and rain, but maybe perhaps even, you know, one of these prior judgments and of a flood that had occurred in ancient times. And this is going back again to Genesis 1 2, um, because I believe that there was a flood that destroyed everything and that the word there um, in Second Peter chapter 3, the word perished, it speaks about utterly destroying completely annihilating um you know and so i i believe and even in genesis 9:11 it speaks about how there there was a time when everything all flesh was cut off and i believe that is also a reference to this previous flood and previous destruction which dates back to the genesis 1:2 mm-hmm. and as I was talking about earlier with the show of the these pictographic this um, olam walam olam and how it talks about the you know Turtle Island becoming fractured and destroyed as well that this also dates back and the other thing is that when this occurred it speaks about in Genesis two four how there was not yet any rain and no man to till the ground and that there was a mist that went up from the face of the earth that you know nourished everything with water uh, and in this particular text it speaks about how there was a fog that encased the world in similarity and so um, and it talks about in Genesis 1 2 how darkness was upon the face of the earth and so thinking about that I considered that if there was darkness and not yet light and neither was the sun uh, and the moon put into place because that doesn't happen till day four if things were cold and if there was like great ice upon the landscape at that time um, and if that was the case then it would make sense to me that if the light was called forth and then the sun put into place and as we see with the uh, the sun um, moving towards the Tropic of Cancer, how the Arctic, the polar north, it goes through a, a meltdown, you know, and all the 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 snow melts, and then the the rivers cycle and water, um, the grass appears, and then all the wildlife uh, they begin to spawn, all the creatures and everything the you know, mushrooms, grasses, trees, everything grows exponentially very quickly. And so I wonder that if this sort of thing occurred during that time, and if there was this global ice age, or, you know, I say global with uh, parentheses, but um, if there was this ice age worldwide, and 
then the light coming out and then you know if all that ice was suddenly melted and then that's what elevated the ocean levels then that would be the point at which we would see um, the ocean levels changing and then we see a lot of what was the cities that were created like Yanaguni, Dwarka and this uh, supposed pyramidal complex over there where Cuba is uh, that these huge metropolitan areas that are now at the bottoms of the oceans, well, they were once um, where, you know, the areas of land uh, were above the water. And that it also speaks about in ancient times that the before this supposed darkness and um, the ice and everything and all these ice caps, that there was a time when everything was warm and temperate. And, you know, I don't know how all that plays into the ancient past as well, but it does speak about in Hesiod's work in, works and days how during the reign of the demigods, um, part of the Sumerian kings list, that this was a golden age and that, you know, the, they, everything was perfect and in harmony and there was no you know, real challenge to to life, that they they enjoyed abundance of pleasure and that um, it wasn't until they fell away and started involving themselves in evil and darkness and calling up entities from the below um, that God brought judgment upon them. And the, the Atlantean culture and kingdom was destroyed both from below and from above that you know the lightnings and destructions and um, and that the the land opened up and swallowed and there were earthquakes and uh, tsunamis and you know all kind of cataclysm and and that the land was disappeared submerged below the sea and that we see in Ezekiel chapter 26 it speaks about um, you know judgment going against Tyre and then it speaks about a people of old time that they were submerged and the, even the memory of them would be forgotten as their land also was swallowed up and disappeared so would their memory be lost to, uh, to history and so I you know again I connect all these things to um, the possibility of this ancient occurrence in this ancient past and so yeah, that's that's where I stand on a lot of the cyclopean and the megalithic structures. But but I do know that there are some texts that allude to uh, Enoch as having been the creator of uh, the pyramids. But you know, I, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth speak about the uh, Thoth, the Atlantean priest king, as being uh, a creator of them after the diaspora. Um, from the destruction and the submergence of Atlantis. Yeah, there there are uh, Jewish or Hebrew texts that talk about Adam being given a vision of the earth being destroyed twice, once by right. fire, mm -hmm. once by... Fire, and yeah. that they were instructed to build you know various uh, monuments that could handle that. And so right. it, it was my... Uh, Isaiah 19 talks about a, a monument right. that's in the center of Egypt and on the mm. and on the border and yes. um, the, the Great Pyramid is the only thing that fits that description mm -hmm. so 
uh, I had read some stuff that talked about the the house of Seth, uh, specifically through Enoch, um, that had built the uh, at least the the structures, or at least the Great Pyramid, if not all the structures, uh, mm-hmm. on the Giza Plateau, and that makes sense to me. Um, I think it was uh, uh, they're all blending. In. It, it, it might have been Dr. Michael Lake talking about. Yeah, it was Michael Lake's lecture. He was talking about how science has determined that uh, the speed of light has significantly slowed down to where it is now. And he was saying, well, you know, if we extrapolate that backwards, if we go backwards in time, then then the speed of light was traveling a lot faster. Of course, they were trying to, he was trying to use that to justify the distances and stuff that we see, you know, out in space. Because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're talking about um, and again, I was on this page myself five years ago, so I'm, yeah, I'm not mocking yeah. anybody, but that, right, right. that Rahab was a planet between Mars and Jupiter. Right. And yeah. How, I, I also held that view. Yeah. The, the, that, and they're using the scriptures where God has rent Rahab and, you know, mm-hmm. all this to say that, you know, that the, what is the asteroid field there supposedly there now is the remains of that and the earth was that, of course right. that's that's directly out of Sumerian uh, literature yeah so, that's the Enuma Elise yeah so yeah. you know a lot of these guys are trying to gel scripture with the Sumerian stuff I, I am right. you know because I again I was on the same page myself not too long ago uh, so I, I wonder now how that fits within the biblical cosmology that I that you and I now share in terms of what it's saying when God says he rent Rahab and because they're talking about the Jeremiah flood they're, they're differentiating the Jeremiah flood from the flood of Noah right and, yeah and how that's exactly what I'm talking about yeah so. yeah and and they shared the same view that uh, many of the if not most of the megalithic structures may have been remnants of of, of that destruction mm-hmm. uh, right um, you know, I and I, I could go either way on that because I don't trust the dating methods. So, you know, when you know when somebody gives a date for something, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, you right, know, exactly. Just because the amount of assumptions that go into, you know, the circular reasoning and the assumptions that are involved with the dating processes, I, I don't trust it. You know, right. with we're talking the Sumerian uh, kings list, though. You know, that's interesting. It's like, okay, you either have to believe that they're that they were real and that they did live those extended periods of time, which which automatically puts us out of the Genesis one, two, and following right. verses, because you know from Genesis one, two forward, you've got a, about six thousand, you know, ten thousand exactly. maybe, yes. maybe ten thousand on the outside, but you know, pretty much about six thousand, six to seven thousand years right. uh, okay. of of history from now dating back to Genesis one, two. Um, but from Genesis between Genesis one one and Genesis one two, there could have been a whole lot of other stuff within right. which the the King's List could have made sense and could have yes. actually been. Yes. So right. you, you either have to accept that that could be, or that we're dealing with massive typos in, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in you know, adding too many zeros or you know what have you uh, regarding the ex- extreme long longevity of these you know, people. Right. So, right. so, but yeah, you'd probably be really intrigued because uh, they were all on that page during the during the conference. Yeah, I, you know, it fascinates me that so many people are now um, 
doing this area of research because I've been covering this for a very long time. And what I've noticed um, about some of the people that go into this is that they are all coming from it from just the King James. Uh Whereas, you know, my area of expertise is always to include all these other ancient sources and and my book does that I include a lot that most people don't even know about in connection to the pre-Adamite and the uh, antediluvian age and so um, it does fascinate me that because again it's out of the mouths of two or three witnesses that mm-hmm. the truth is established and it always seems to work that even like with our work on biblical cosmology that God really leads um, and opens up a fascination for something he wants to reveal to world and that he does it through researchers and you know in this day and age we are part of that group that is being and doing the work of of the Most High and revealing things Um, even this you know this whole dialogue on the book of Enoch um, you know we are opening people to a lot of really new information that they've never heard about before and so yeah I definitely want to check all that out Um, I probably I will you know I'll probably will finish my book before ever doing so yeah and and that way I don't I don't want to be tainted by somebody else's research Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it would be good to consider, but, um, yeah, they'll probably keep it going. They, I mean, they still have, uh, the, the, uh, s- streaming video on demand available from the 2019 conference. Oh, really? Okay. So, um, uh, yeah. So. In fact, I think when you, if, I don't know if it just was for the, during the event or what, but when it seemed like when you paid for the 2020 you got the two twenty nineteen also, so you access. got the, okay, the, cool. the access to that as well. Uh, so pretty cool. You mentioned the the uh, morning dew earlier uh, when you were talking, mm-hmm. sending a mist, and that's something that kind of off subject a little bit here. But uh, I've been seeing a lot of ads on Facebook and stuff. I've been looking into on YouTube and stuff like that of uh, harvesting water from the air and really? how that. The, the morning dew thing, I mean, it still works. I mean, that still happens. Yeah, yeah. If, if you've ever gone camping, you, you've, you've, you've... Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've, yeah. you've dealt with that. But uh, using some pretty simple techniques, uh, you can harvest that that water out, right out of the air. Um, so I'm going to be looking into that some more because it is, it is pretty fascinating. And, uh-huh. you know, they, they say, you know, of course, I got black thumb gardening, right? So it's like if, <laughs> if, if you could think of doing something wrong, that's that's pretty much what I've been... Cause, yeah, yeah. I would save myself so much time and headache if I just would read the directions and you know uh, look at it first instead of afterwards just trying to figure out why it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would be but, the fun of that? Well, yeah, exactly. You learn a lot. You learn sometimes more from your failures <laughs> right. than anything exactly. else. But like, so I'd go out there in the afternoon, and of course we haven't hit the the summer heat yet. I mean, it's still, right. yeah. but it's still getting in the eighties, you know, mm-hmm. m- mid to eighties or so, uh, during the day. And that sudden coming down, it's just, it's hot. So you know, look at the right. plants, they look all dried out. So I'm like, Oh, I should water them. Not realizing that of course, when you water plants in the middle of the day, 
you're just you just created magnifying glasses. Right. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're you're actually burning the plants. You burning know, them. Yeah. Ooh, and you, it's like okay, you, yeah. So no, don't do that. They say you know you're supposed to water it like fir- first thing in the morning, uh, is what most people tell you. But I'm I'm yeah. a go to sleep at four o'clock in the morning kind of guy. So. Uh-huh. What I've been doing lately is like, okay, well, right before I go to bed, I'll just go outside, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning, and just give everything uh-huh. a good wet down, and uh, then I don't have to worry about it during the day. And, right. And right. wow, I mean, the plants have really responded. They appreciate, yeah. Yeah, the mm-hmm. plants have like sprouted up really nice. So, right. Pretty excited about that. Anyway, that just when you're talking about the morning dew, that that kind of caught my eye. But um, I want to circle back around to the Rahab thing. Have you given it any thought with regard to the current cosmology? we subscribe to um well you know it could be again uh in representative of what i'm talking about here uh with regard to um the turtle island and the destruction of pangea and the separation of the continents back at a time when everything had been initially created in uniformity and there is this again these ancient concepts that going back to the very ancient past that there was that the you know the earth was one big island and it mm-hmm. looked like the the back of a turtle shell poking out of the water mm-hmm. and um, that's the description of this ancient account and then when you look at the book of the earth there's also mention of this in some of the other uh, older cosmologies and so that's that's in my opinion, because I used to be one that accepted when I was, you know, all in the heliocentric worldview, uh, that Rahab was that planet that was there in the, you know, between um, the Jupiter where Mars. the asteroid belt, yeah, where the asteroid belt is now, and um, but I know all that to to not be true. Uh, any longer and again it's it's so easy to determine that there's no curvature to the earth there's no way that the earth can be uh, round or spherical in shape and then the other easy thing to determine is that it's not moving especially at 1037 miles an hour right as everybody believes and so uh, when you confirm these two absolute facts and you have to um, reconsider everything with regard to your paradigm on belief and reality. And and so I've had to, in embracing this truth, I've had to reshape and reform (laughs) everything. Mm -hmm. And so... Oh, yeah, I've had to do complete rewrites of of seed. Well, I, 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 I was tempted to go back and rewrite some of my older works and then I thought you know what that's what I believed then yeah there's a reason there's a copyright on there it's you know 2012 or whatever it's like that that is a a moment in time when I believe if I do a 2020 or later uh, update expanded edition or something that's Mm -hmm. what I do but I'm not going to go back and change all my other like my my Genesis book that was a globe on there and so people uh-huh. are like, oh, hey, you know, I'm like, no, 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 that's not a globe. That's a circle viewed at an angle. See, if you, <laughs> if you, you're, you're looking at the outer rim of the circle, just kind of at an angle. See, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I don't have, right have to redo the cover. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it, it's good to 
to leave an account of our awakening and our growth and to show people, you know, we didn't have all the answers either. No. And we learned and God gave us the revelations as we uh, opened ourselves to new possibility. And it's unfortunate that so many people are unwilling to take that step. But at least we were, you know, because no matter what, I'm always going to stand for truth. And the, the incredible thing about this particular truth is that it unlocks the Bible and the Book of Enoch. It helps us to understand things that were hidden to us. And it makes stories like, you know, the, the sun going back 10 degrees and mm -hmm. uh, the sun and the moon standing still. Uh, those kind of stories unlock and make sense and you know the truth and what we know to have actually happened in the ancient times comes forth with this revelation but if you don't open and embrace yourself embrace it then how can you really ever really understand the fullness of what is revealed in scripture and especially with the things that happened in ancient times you can't and that's the sad thing about you know so many being unwilling to to go to this length yeah i uh i think it was well about this time last year that i started going through uh archives of shows that i've done as well as shows other people's shows that i was on Mm -hmm. and because people were trying to say, you know, my tree logo is Kabbalah and the, this, that, everybody's like, what's with the 33 and what's with the this? And with the yeah. I'm like, you bunch of morons. I've been talking about this for a decade now, you know. Um, right. And somebody recently said, what are you talking about gardening for? How come you're not talking about the mark of the beast? And I'm like, well, because what else am I going to say except I told you so? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, right. I mean, when it comes yeah. to the vaccine and the mark of the beast, I've been talking about that for 10 years now. Uh -huh. You know, everybody wants me to talk about it now. I'm like, I already have. What am I gonna do? Say, look, look, I this is what I I told you so back in 2012. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I've been going through archives, and it was about a year ago I started posting them as sort of a chron chronology, uh, mainly just to 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 leave a trail, uh, showing where I've been and how I got to where I am now. And it's been a good exercise, actually, going back. And it's kind of funny, actually, going back and listening. Because you know, it's like, oh, I was so sure. I was so sure of myself. Uh, some of the things that I was saying and believing back then. Mm -hmm. And right. uh, I, I stopped uh, doing it because the last show that I uploaded was a, a, view from the bunker, a View from the Bunker show that I did with Derek Gilbert right before the first Future Congress conference in Branson, Missouri, which was my breakout conference. That was the first time. Uh, that's when I stepped out for the first time on the public scene. Um, I had done some local stuff just with mainly friends and family, uh, you know, here in the Dallas area. But my first breakout on the stage, you know, on the public scene talking about any of this stuff was the uh, Branson, Missouri Future Congress conference. And um, that's where I left off in the uploads of my archives. So uh, I was looking at that the other day. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go find those Future Congress uh, lectures that I gave. And so I've been cleaning them up because the graphics weren't that great, but keep it, staying true to the PowerPoint that I did back then. Uh, I'm editing those, so I'll probably upload those this weekend. Uh, 
Yeah, so if people are interested. But I was even talking about that, you know, you know, for Joshua to command the sun to stand still, you know, that means the earth stopped rotating. And, uh, right, and, right. And I was like, you know, as a days of Noah, you know, what, what do we have in the days of Noah? Well, we had interdimensional portals, right? Because uh, right. the Tower of Babel wasn't <laughs> about height. You know, yeah. Tower of Babel wasn't about height. So, see, CERN, CERN, as it was in the days, of, which I still, I do still believe that they were probably having some kind of uh, portal action going on. And actually, that was. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Uh, Derek's lecture was about um, portals. Uh, and it was it was very insightful. It was very interesting. Uh, he, he was talking about various you know, sort of hot spots, hot spots on Earth, or open windows, kind of things where things have happened, and centering primarily, you know, basically from Giza going up to through Mount Hermon, uh, talking about that whole area there. But yeah, it is interesting going back and looking at the previous stuff and. <laughs> how much we change just even a few short years right so, so i'll be posting those uh probably this weekend and uh looks like we're about ready to go to break we'll come back and you can read uh the charles version of chapter 81 sounds and good then we'll uh move on from there all right Frequency Radio is your number one source for news and information without the hate, hype, and fear. We're proud to feature cutting-edge programs like The Christopher Everard Show, The Covert Report with Susan Lindauer, Enemy Within Radio with Tom Barnes, Freaky Friday with The Woo Crew, The Gematria Effect with Zachary Hubbard, America's Evil Genius with Travis Cook, Phoenix Rising Radio with Phoenix. Quantum Connections with Lucky. And dozens more. Did you know? You can listen from any telephone by dialing 641-793-7117. Or call into your favorite show, toll free at 833-TFR-LIVE. Uncensored talking news you won't hear in the mainstream media. Truth Frequency Radio, your protection from deception. in the right direction. I'm Jack Callahan, Fox News. Coronavirus numbers are dropping in most parts of the country. Dr. Deborah Burks, coordinator of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, says the latest numbers show a steep decline in both deaths and hospitalizations in recent weeks. Over the past 10 days, the U.S. has averaged just over 1,300 deaths per day. In mid-April, it was almost 2,200. Dr. Burks also says the number of infections continues to go down, even though testing is increasing and in every state less than 20 percent of the tests are coming back positive positive. and fox's trace gallagher reports fewer than 10 percent of new york state's tests are coming back positive a month ago that number was 45 percent now all 50 states are at least partially reopened for business it's been a shooting at a mall in the phoenix suburb of glendale arizona police say two people have been injured there and the suspect is in custody Arizona opened retail last week. The U.S. Supreme Court has temporarily blocked House Democrats 
from accessing grand jury information from the special counsel investigation. A lower court ruling giving House lawmakers access to grand jury material redacted by the Justice Department has been temporarily blocked by the U.S. Supreme Court. The unsigned order gives each side until June 1st to brief the court on whether or not an appeal should be heard. If the court agrees to hear the case, the stay will remain in place until a judgment is made. If the court turns away that appeal, the stay would be lifted. The lower court ruling requiring disclosure of the secret testimony would stand. Fox's Jared Halper of the Senate Homeland Security Committee has authorized a subpoena in its probe of the work that former Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, did for a Ukrainian natural gas company while his dad was the VP. Democrats calling it a political stunt. America is listening to Fox News. You must We are TFR Truth Frequency Radio. And we're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host, Rob Skiba, and we are in the second hour of the broadcast, already flying by uh, as usual. Uh, so, yeah, Zen, you want to go ahead and uh, read the Charles version, sure. chapter 81? And it is crazy to me how these shows go by so fast. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. All right. And he said unto me, observe, Enoch, these heavenly tablets, and read what is written thereon and mark every individual fact. And I observed the heavenly tablets and read everything which was written thereon and understood everything and read the book of all the deeds of mankind and of all the children of flesh that shall be upon the earth to the remotest generations. And forthwith I beseech the great Lord, the King of glory forever in that he has made all the works of the world. And I extolled the Lord because of his patience and blessed him because of the children of men. And after that I said, Blessed is the man who dies in righteousness and goodness, concerning whom there is no book of unrighteousness written, and against whom no day of judgment shall be found. And those seven holy ones brought me and placed me on the earth before the door of my house and said to me, Declare everything to thy son, Methuselah, and show to all thy children that no flesh is righteous in the sight of the Lord, for he is their creator. One year we will live thee with thy son, till thou givest thy last commands, that thou mayest teach us thy children, and record it for them, and testify to all thy children, and in the second year they shall take thee from their midst." Let thy heart be strong, for the good shall announce righteousness to the good. The righteous with the righteous shall rejoice and shall offer congratulation to one another. But the sinners shall die with the sinners, and the apostate go down with the apostate. And those who practice righteousness shall die on account of the deeds of men, and be taken away on account of the doings 
of the godless. And in those days, they ceased to speak to me. And I came to my people blessing the Lord of the world. Don't really have any commentary that we haven't already discussed. Do you have anything more you want to share on that? Um, just one thing. It's uh, interesting to me that the heavenly tablets, the which God has a book and several books and even a library hmm. where everything is written already about what's going to happen. And it shares this that, you know, the heavenly tablets have been read from by not only Enoch, but we see that in Jubilees um, that Moshe is also uh, shown and given the story of Noah, you know, and all of that and how uh, he read from the the heavenly tablets and how the changing of the calendar and the Sabbath and all of that would take place and that was written therein and how his sons would fall away and sacrifice to idols and eat blood and get involved in abomination and so everything is revealed and known and we're about to go into what are called the dream visions and that is part of this account of all the generations of man um, because it talks about in the Asseter, the secret book of Moses that Adam was given five books, the books of creation, when he was cast forth from paradise. And one of them was the book of the generations of man. And the other, um, the book of the signs, uh, one was the book on the, the luminaries, and another, uh, the book of the wars of the Lord. And these particular texts describe prophetically what we see as the different portions of the book of Enoch which is again interesting because it says that he passed them on to Enoch after his death and then Enoch to Noah and Shem and Abraham and on and on but when we get to the testament of the 12 patriarchs even they describe how they read about what their sons and their children are going to do and they warned them from the prophecies of the books of Enoch the righteous um, and it mentions that in those particular scrolls. And so the testaments uh, of all of the, the different patriarchs, they understood what was written therein. And of course, they alluded to Christ, the Word, the Logos, the Memra, as being their Savior Messiah and their helper all throughout the ages. And, you know, which is again why it's important to study the Targum with the restored translations of the word of the Lord found within them to understand this particular fact uh, and that you know we, we've read all throughout of the elect one the son of man and how uh, he would be the judgment and uh, the judge at the end of days mm -hmm. yeah right on yeah. okay uh, I'll jump over to the Lawrence translation and right. read my chapter 81 now, my son Methuselah, all these things I speak unto thee and write for thee. To thee I have revealed all and have given the books of everything. Preserve, my son Methuselah, the books written by thy father, that thou mayest transmit them to future generations. Wisdom have I given to thee, to thy children and thy posterity, that they may transmit to their children for generations forever this wisdom in their thoughts, and that those who comprehend it 
may not slumber, but hear with their ears, that they may learn this wisdom and be deemed worthy of eating this wholesome food. Blessed are all the righteous. Blessed all who walk in the paths of righteousness, in whom no crime is found, as in sinners, when all their days are numbered. With respect to the progress of the sun in heaven, it enters and goes out of each gate for thirty days. With the leaders of the thousand classes of the stars, with four which are added and appertain to the four quarters of the year, which conduct them and accompany them at four periods. Respecting these, men greatly err, and do not compute them in the computation of every age, for they greatly err respecting them, nor do men know accurately that they are in the computation of the year. But indeed, these are marked down forever, one in the first gate, one in the third gate, one in the fourth gate, and one in the sixth, so that the year is completed in 364 days. Truly, has been stated and accurately has been computed that which is marked down for the luminaries, the months, the fixed periods, the years, and the days Uriel has explained to me and communicated to me, whom the Lord of all creation on my account commanded according to the might of heaven and the power which it possesses both by night and by day to explain the laws of light to man of the sun, moon, and stars and of all the powers of heaven which are turned with their respective orbs. This is the ordinance of the stars, which set in their places, in their seasons, in their periods, in their days, and in their months. These are the names of those who conduct them, who watch and enter in their seasons according to their ordinance, in their periods, in their months, in the times of their influence, and in their stations. Four conductors of them first enter, who separate the four quarters of the year. After these, twelve conductors of their classes who separate the months and the year into 364 days, with the leaders of a thousand who distinguish between the days, as well as between the four additional ones, which as conductors divide the four quarters of the year. These leaders of a thousand are in the midst of the conductors, and the conductors are added each behind his station, and their conductors make the separation. These are the names of the conductors who separate the four quarters of the year, who are appointed over them. Mel Melkel, Helamelech, Helamelech, Meliel, and Narel. And the names of those who conduct them are Adnarel, Jiasuel, Jias, Jias Usel, yeah, Jialumiel, Jialumiel. These are the three who follow after the conductors of the classes of stars, each following after the three conductors of the classes, which themselves follow after the conductors of the stations, who divide the four quarters of the year. In the first part of the year rises and rules Melchias, who is named Tameni and Zahay. All the days of his influence during which he rules are ninety-one days. And these are the signs of the days which are seen upon earth. In the days of his influence, there is perspiration, heat, and trouble. All the trees become fruitful. The leaf of every tree comes forth. The corn is reaped. The rose in every species of flowers blossoms in the field, and the trees of winter are dried up. These are the names of the conductors who are under them. Barkel, Zelzebel, and another additional conductor of a thousand is named Hilo Yelef. The days of 
whose influence have been completed. The other conductor next to him, a, next after them is Halemelech, whose name they call the splendid Zehe. All the days of his light are ninety-one days. These are the signs of the days upon earth, heat and drought, while the trees bring forth their fruits warmed and concocted and give their fruits to dry. The flocks follow and yearn in yin. All the fruits of the earth are collected with everything in the fields and the vines are trodden. This takes place during the time of his influence. These are their names and orders and the names of the conductors who are under them of those who are chiefs of a thousand. Gadael, Gadael, Kiel, Heel. And the name of the additional leader of a thousand is Asphael. The days of his influence have been completed. Okay, That's okay. a lot. That's a mouthful of weird names. <laughs> All right, chapter 82. All right, Charles. And now, my son, Methuselah, all these things I am recounting to thee and writing down for thee, and I have revealed to thee everything and given thee books concerning all these. So preserve, my son, Methuselah, the books from thy father's hand and see that thou deliver them to the generations of the world. I have given wisdom to thee and to thy children and thy children that shall be to thee that they may give it to their children for generations this wisdom namely that passeth their thought and those who understand it shall not sleep but shall listen with the ear that they may learn this wisdom and it shall please those that eat thereof better than good food Blessed are all the righteous. Blessed are all those who walk. Oh, you there? I think I lost you. Zed? I see you're still connected, but I no longer hear you. Hello? I think we lost Zen. Uh, hang on a second. Joe, are you there? Everybody's still connected, but I no longer hear anybody. Can you guys still hear me in the chat room? You can hear me, but we can't hear Zen. Thanks, James. Appreciate that. Hmm. Okay. Oh. I can hear you. It seems like we might have lost Dad. Oh, okay. Uh, it looks like... Uh, I'll try to give him a call real quick. Let's see if I can pop him back in here. Hang on a second. Sorry about this, guys. <clears throat> Try to add him back into the call here. Uh, hmm. 
looks like I'm not able to do that for some reason. Oh. We have been having thunderstorms in this part of the country, so yeah, we're, we might have lost power or had some kind of disconnect. Yeah, it could be. We're um, we're getting ready to have a big storm here too. I think shortly. Um, invite more people. This will be great to give you a little time off from having to water your garden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's crazy how all the plants love when they get rain compared to when we water it ourselves. They'll yeah. grow three or four times more. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I can't. Why can't I add him back in here? I'm trying to add him back in. Add, okay, we okay, just oh, yeah. uh, got in touch with Zen, and he said he didn't even uh, notice that he got disconnected. So yeah, he's talking to himself. We'll I'm, I'm calling yeah. him back right now. It looks like it's trying to reconnect. Right. Hopefully. Ringing him, ringing him, ringing him. Hang on, guys. Technical difficulty. Gotta love live radio. It's calling, but he's not answering. Hmm. Justin, are you able to connect with him by phone and maybe see if he can even hear his Skype coming in. Uh, we just got in touch with him. He said he was trying to get connected again. So uh, Maybe tell him I'm trying to connect to him. Maybe we're, okay. Maybe he's trying to... I don't know if he can get in on, on his end without me inviting him. I'm not sure. Let's try to re-ring him, and prayerfully this works. Yeah. Let's see. Sorry for the technical difficulties on our end. No worries. Uh, you want me to try to add him, or you want to try to add him? Are you able to add him on your end? I'm calling him on the Skype call right now. You know what? I don't even know if I'm still connected to TFR, actually. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like I'm still connected to TFR. Okay, that's good. So I'm still connected on TFR, and I am dialing Zen again. Come on, Zen. Ring, ring, ring. Nope. Oh, okay. What's wrong? Uh, it says that his yeah. he said his internet went out. Oh, his internet's out. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. Well, <laughs> great. I guess I'm gonna tap dance for the next forty. Forty. You got this, Rob. I got it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let me see. I can pick up where he left off. I suppose. Um. Well, you know, I'm not gonna read all this because it's the same. It's pretty much the same. It's just going to have to deal with all those long names again. So I will go back over to the next chapter. Well, it's kind of a bummer because I, I, I'm wanting to um, eventually edit me reading all of the chapters that I've read so far of Lawrence and uh, when we finish the Book of Enoch and then edit all the chapters that Zen read from Charles and upload both as... Um, uh, like an audiobook, 
So I guess we'll have to have Zen at some point later on read the rest of that chapter uh, for us for that purpose anyway. So let me go to, uh, looks like, that's where it was chapter 82 already, I thought, 82 in the Lawrence. Oh, it's 81. Okay. All right. <clears throat> chapter 82 in the Lawrence translation. And now I have shown thee, my son Methuselah, every sight which I saw prior to thy birth. I will relate another vision which I saw before I was married. They resemble each other. The first was when I was learning a book and the other before I was married to thy mother. I saw a potent vision and on account of these things besought the Lord. I was lying down in the house of my grandfather Mal Malalel when I saw in a vision heaven purifying and snatched away and falling to the earth I saw likewise the earth absorbed by a great abyss the mountains suspended over mountains hills were sinking upon hills lofty trees were gliding off from their trunks and were in the act of being projected and of sinking into the abyss being alarmed by these at these things my voice faltered i cried out and said the earth is destroyed then my grandfather melalel raised me up and said to me why dost thou cry out, my son? Thus cry out, my son. And wherefore dost thou thus lament? I related to him the whole vision which I had seen. He said to me, Confirmed is that which thou hast seen, my son. <laughs> Sounds like Yoda right there. Confirmed is that which thou hast seen. And potent the vision of thy dream, respecting every secret sin of the earth, its substance shall sink into the abyss, and a great destruction take place. And my son, now, my son, rise up and beseech the Lord of glory, for thou art faithful, that a remnant may be left upon earth, and that we would not wholly destroy it. He would not wholly destroy it. My son, all this calamity upon earth comes down from heaven. Upon earth shall there be a great destruction. Then I arose, prayed, and entreated, and wrote down my prayer for the generations of the world, explaining everything to my son Methuselah. When I went out below, and looking up to heaven, beheld the sun proceeding from the east, the moon descending to the west, a few scattered stars, and everything which God has known from the beginning, I blessed the Lord of judgment, and magnified him, because he hath sent forth the sun from the chambers of the east, that ascending and rising in the face of heaven it might spring up, and pursue the path which is, which has been pointed out to it. It's kind of weird. Like he's he's jumping back and forth to this uh, descriptions of the heavenly luminaries here, like as if it wasn't already addressed thoroughly in the previous chapters. Although they're giving us a little bit more insight on different things here. Uh, so this was a vision Enoch apparently had before he was married to Methuselah's mother. Like he had a vision of the coming flood. Uh, and then it sounds like Methuselah. Uh, why has, why dost thou cry out, my son? Yeah. Anyway, I don't have much to add to that, so I'll just keep going here. Chapter eighty-three. I lifted up my hands in righteousness and blessed the holy and the great one. I spoke with the breath of my mouth and with a tongue of flesh, which God has formed for all the sons of mortal men, that with it they may speak, giving them breath and mouth and a tongue to converse with. 
Blessed art thou, O Lord, the King, great and powerful in thy greatness, Lord of all the creatures of heaven, King of kings, God of the whole world, whose reign, whose kingdom, and whose majesty endure forever and ever. From generation to generation shall thy dominion exist. All the heavens are thy throne forever, and all the earth thy footstool forever and ever and forever. So, you wonder where Isaiah got that? The, the earth is his footstool? Again, there are many references that we find in Scripture that have precedence only in the book of Enoch. I'm not aware of anything prior to that. Uh, certainly if we accept that Enoch was written in the pre-flood time frame. For thou hast made them, and over all thou reignest, no act whatsoever proceeds uh, exceeds thy power. With thee wisdom is unchangeable, nor from thy throne and from thy presence is it ever averted. Thou knowest all things, seest and hearest them, nor is anything concealed from thee, for thou perceivest all things. The angels of thy heavens have transgressed, and on mortal flesh shall thy wrath remain until the day of the great judgment. Now then, O God, Lord and mighty King, I entreat thee and beseech thee to grant my prayer that a posterity may be left to me on earth, and that the whole human race may not perish, that the earth may not be left destitute and destruction take place forever. O my Lord, let the race perish from off the earth which has offended thee, but a righteous and upright race establish for a posterity forever. Hide not thy face, O Lord, from the prayer of thy servant. Chapter 84. Oh, it looks like uh, Zen's saying, call me back. Okay, let me try you back. Zen's saying, call me back. We will try once again. Ringing him now. Ring, there we go. All right, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> hey, my uh, tap dancing shoes were... <laughs> I was getting ready to lace them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I was able to get back on. Yeah, me too. Uh, the, otherwise, the last the segment of the show could have been <laughs> really boring. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, re I kept reading a few chapters. Um, okay, good. We're about ready to go to break anyway, but... Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to see... Where do we get to the animal apocalypse? It seems like it's taking forever here to get to. Uh, I it's think like it's right after this chapter. Two more chapters, the, or oh, I have it on eighty-three. I um, got an eighty-five. It looks like on mine. Oh wait, eighty-four. Yeah, I guess it is the next one. Yeah. Cool. So the next one is the animal apocalypse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we come back. Um, you can jump right in, and we'll pick up where you left off. Because uh, what I was saying is what I want to do when this series is over is edit all the readings that you did and post the audiobook of the Charles. Of you. Oh, yeah, that's great. And I'm great gonna idea. Do, I'm going to do the same thing for Lawrence. So we'll have uh, us reading both translations. Oh, that's an excellent idea. Yeah. So um, I'm just trying to see. You left off. Well, we'll come back. All right.
Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Do you have any of these symptoms? Night cramps in the hands and feet. Your arms and legs often go to sleep. On short walks, do your legs get aches and pains? Is your memory worse than it used to be? Ankles that swell late in the day? Has your blood pressure increased lately? If you answered yes to even one of these questions, you may have early warning signs of arterial blockages. Your body is saying that it is time to take Extendivite. These are not the normal signs of aging. They are the warning signs that accompany blocked arteries. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Okay, nurse, let's get this man to the ER staff. Right away, doctor. We see this every day heart attack or angina pain due to blocked and clogged arteries. Chelation can remove obstructions or blockages from arteries and help avoid painful and expensive surgery. Now there's Angioprim. It's a liquid oral chelation product that you take with juice. You start to feel the results fast. Angioprim increases blood flow all over the body and that means more energy and strength to take on the day with less aches and pains. 60 years of research has gone into chelation and Angioprim is the result. A safe and easy way to unblock your veins and arteries from buildup that slow circulation. Saving Dr. Jones, please report to the emergency room right away. Log on now for a special radio offer from Angioprim. That's angioprim.com slash radio. A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M. Angioprim.com slash radio or call 877-882-7221. That's 877-882-7221. Once in a decade, a true story comes along that remembers the future. After six Amazon bestsellers, I have completed the epic Birth Trilogy, a true story of Earth. By reading the Birth Trilogy, you will journey with the characters from the origin of Earth to its final destiny in a white-knuckle ride that combines the intrigue of Tom Clancy with the epic scope of Prometheus and Interstellar. You will learn more about the purpose of life, the mystery of death, and the true nature of your soul than you thought possible. The Birth Trilogy is now available on Amazon and Kindle. The audio version is a free bonus when you buy the paperback, so even if you're not a great reader, don't worry about it. I read it for you. Use the Amazon app today and buy the Birth Trilogy, spelled B-E-A-R-T-H, or search for my name. I'm Brooks Agnew. No hate, no hype, no fear. We are EFR, your protection from deception. Back on the Revolutionary Radio Project, I am your host Rob Skiba for the final half-hour segment of the broadcast. Come on, how many of you guys were headbanging to that music? 
<laughs> I, I was. I didn't pick it. Uh, Chris Gio, the founder of TFR, uh, picked my music for me. But every time I hear that, I'm like, I'm headbanging to it. <laughs> kind of like I do in my car when I'm listening to 80s music. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Zen, um, why don't we go back to uh, verse 4, maybe? That, okay. that paragraph. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure how far back. I think we got at least that far, but uh, so that'd be chapter eighty-two, for, beginning of verse four. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Blessed are all the righteous. Blessed are all those who walk in the ways of righteousness, and sin not as the sinners in the reckoning of all their days, in which the sun traverses the heaven entering into and departing from the portals for 30 days with the heads of thousands of the order of the stars together with the four which are intercalated which divide the four portions of the year which lead them and enter with them four days owing to them men shall be at fault and not reckon them in the whole reckoning of the year yea men shall be at fault and not recognize them accurately for they belong to the reckoning of the year and are truly recorded thereon forever one in the first portal one in the third one in the fourth and one in the sixth and the year is completed in 364 days and the account thereof is accurate and the recorded reckoning thereof exact for the luminaries and the months and the festivals and years and days has Uriel shown and revealed to me to whom the Lord of the whole creation of the world hath subjected the host of heaven and he has power over night and day in the heaven to cause light to give light to men sun moon and stars and all the powers of the heaven which revolve in their circular chariots and these are the orders of the stars which set in their places and in their seasons and festivals and months and these are the names of those who lead them, who watch that they enter at their times, in their orders, in their seasons, in their months, in their periods of dominion, and in their positions. Therefore, leaders who divide the four parts of the year enter first, and after them the twelve leaders of the orders who divide the months, and for the three hundred and sixty days there are heads over thousands who divide the days, and for the four intercalary days there are the leaders which sunder the four parts of the year and these heads over thousands are intercalated between leader and leader each behind a station but their leaders make the division and these are the names of the leaders who divide the four parts of the year which are ordained Milkiel, Hamelech and Melugiel and Narel and the names of those who lead them Adnarel, Ijasuel and Elomiel, these three follow the leaders of the orders, and there is one that follows the three leaders of the orders which follow those leaders of stations that divide the four parts of the year. In the beginning of the year, Melchizedek rises first and rules, who is named Tamani and son, and all the days of his dominion, whilst he bears rule, are ninety-one days. And these are the signs of the days which are to be seen on earth in the day of his dominion, sweat and heat and calms 
and all the trees bear fruit, and leaves are produced on all the trees in the harvest of wheat, and the rose flowers, and all the flowers which come forth in the field. But the trees of the winter season become withered, and these are the names of the leaders which are under them. Berechiel, Zelubsiel, and another who is added ahead of a thousand called Hilujaseph. And the days of the dominion of this leader are at an end. The next leader after him is Helmelech, whom one names the shining sun, and all the days of his light are ninety-one days. And these are the signs of his days on the earth, glowing heat and dryness, and the trees ripen their fruits and produce all their fruits ripe and ready, and the sheep pair and become pregnant, and all the fruits of the earth are gathered in, and everything that is in the fields, and the winepress, these things take place in the days of his dominion. These are the names and the orders and the leaders of those heads of thousands. Gidaljilo and the orders of Kiel and Heel and the names of the head of a thousand, which is added to them. Asphael and the days of his dominion are at an end. Man, you handle those names a lot better than I do. <laughs> I just try to of course. read through them, you know, syllable by syllable. Yeah, Charles helps you out with the sort of the syllable vowel kind of markings on there. Mm -hmm, right. Yeah. yeah. Lawrence is like, yeah, just go with it. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Have fun. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, do you want to give any commentary on that before you w moved on to another chapter? Yeah, just uh, really quickly, I'll, I'll just say that again, as we discuss with um, chapter 71 on the course of the the great luminary it is in the first gate that you have the winter solstice occurring and so what it's talking about these four leaders of the seasons are in the first gate the third gate the fourth gate and the sixth gate and those are the solstices and the equinoxes the winter solstice is when the sun is on the first gate and the vernal equinox is when the sun is on the third gate. The summer solstice is when the sun is on the sixth gate. And then the um, autumnal equinox is when the sun descends down to the fourth gate. And so that's why these are the gates that are being spoken of mm -hmm. and the leaders of the seasons. And then the 12, uh, the leaders are the constellations or what are the houses of the zodiac. And then the 91 days that are being attributed, they describe the 91 days of the two seasons, the first being spring and then the second being um, summer. And we can tell, you know, that the flowers starting to bloom, that's spring. And then when the fruits ripen and um, all the spawning and all that, that's a summer. And it doesn't go into fall and winter, which is uh, interesting, but... Uh, that's how this portion of the book breaks down. So what's your take on the uh, <clears throat> verses 4 and 5, mainly verse 5, owing to them men shall be at fault and not reckon them in the whole reckoning of the year. Yea, men shall be at fault and not recognize them accurately, for they belong. I, I, yeah, I think uh, what it comes down to is that now we follow a pagan calendar, which is some months 31 days some months 30 mm. days and others 29 and so there's no uniformity to the calendar whereas the seasons according to 
the calendar described here are exact. There's 30 days in each um, month, solar month. And then you have the four intercalary days, which are the equinoxes and the solstices. And those occur at the ends of the, you know, they are the 91th day. Every 91th day is either an equinox or a solstice. And so the seasons actually begin on the vernal equinox. That begins spring. The summer solstice begins summer. The autumnal equinox begins fall. And the winter solstice begins winter. And so the Enoch calendar is precise. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not, you know, even though we do um, date the occurrence of the equinoxes and the solstices, if we were following the calendar as laid out, it would be on a specific day. And in my opinion, those days are excluded from what are the 30-day calendar months just as in the lunar calendar you have Rosh Kadesh excluded mm -hmm. and so for the solar calendar you have a perfect 30 days in each of the 12 seasons and then the solstices and equinoxes are something that is separated and I think that those are what are I call natural holy days um, because they represent the division of the year and you know the the particular they're the leaders the uh the four what would be like you know the four corners of the earth almost um for the particular seasons in the calendar mm -hmm. <clears throat> um tell you what let's uh yeah why don't you do the next chapter sure that's where right. we just now entered the uh dream vision dream visions yes then I want okay. to, if we have time, I want to ask you about something after that. Sure. 83. And now, my son, Methuselah, I will show thee all my visions which I have seen, recounting them before thee. Two visions I saw before I took a wife, and the other was quite unlike the other. The first, when I was learning to write. The second, before I took thy mother, when I saw a terrible vision. And regarding them, I prayed to the Lord. I had laid me down in the house of my grandfather, Mahalel, when I saw in a vision how the heaven collapsed and was borne off and fell to the earth. And when it fell to the earth, I saw how the earth was swallowed up in a great abyss, and mountains were suspended on mountains and hills, sank down on hills, and high trees were rent from their stems and hurled down and sunk in the abyss. And thereupon a word fell into my mouth. And I lifted up my voice to cry aloud and said, The earth is destroyed. And I believe this is also Genesis 1-2. And my grandfather Mahalel waked me as I laid near him and said unto me, Why dost thou cry, my son? And why dost thou make such lamentation? And I recounted to him the whole vision which I had seen. And he said unto me, A terrible thing hast thou seen, my son. And of grave moment is thy dream, vision as to the secrets of all the sin of the earth. It must sink into the abyss and be destroyed with the great destruction. And now, my son, arise and make petition to the Lord of glory, since thou art a believer, that a remnant may remain on the earth and that he may not destroy the whole earth. My son, from heaven all this will come upon the earth, and upon the earth there will be great destruction. After that I arose and prayed and am 
implored and besought and wrote down my prayer for the generations of the world and I will show everything to thee my son Methuselah and when I had gone forth below and seen the heaven and the sun rising in the east and the moon setting in the west and a few stars and the whole earth and everything as he had known it in the beginning then I blessed the Lord of judgment and extolled him because he had made the sun to go forth from the windows of the east and he ascended and rose on the face of the heaven and set out and kept traversing the path shown unto him <clears throat> so uh, we haven't got there yet but in chapter 89 uh, we, uh, I think it's Noah has the vision of the coming flood mm-hmm. yeah the and, lofty roof and, and it talks about yeah the a lofty the roof it, yeah the seven torrents uh, yeah. filling the enclosure Right. Uh, so it's interesting. You thought you think this is a vision of the Genesis one one flood. Yes. Um, and it because in this one it says, and I saw in a vision how the heaven collapsed. Right. And was born off and fell to the earth. So right. that, that is that is different. Uh, you know, in yes. this vision, it's like if we assume it's always been a snow globe. In in this vision, it completely collapses in and like. Right, just destroyed, completely it. destroyed. Yes, which would would make the Tohu Vavohu thing, uh, yes, interesting. Uh, whereas Noah's vision of the coming flood is the the it ceilings up. the ceilings intact and the windows are opening right. up in it and mm-hmm. filling it up. So that, that's an interesting yes. take. Although his grandson or, or grandfather Mahalalel uh, took this as a portent of things to come. Come right, but he's but he, showing, in my opinion, the what had already happened. Yeah, with the previous destruction, because mm. also those trees. Remember, I because I believe that what we see now as some of these mountains that have been hewn off, uh, that these are the stumps of trees, mm. and that in the first world age, not only were there massive, gigantic trees, but there were also you know the titans, um, mm. the you know the going back to the Ant- Atlantean times that there were giants that could be 450 feet tall mm-hmm. you know that are now petrified and take the form and shapes of mountains as a uh, uh, mud fossil university speaks about and so yeah I think this is that destruction that he's seen just in the same way that uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel also mm-hmm. um see and and receive this vision of this destruction that already was fascinating yeah i mean i i've i've never really entertained the idea of a pre-edemic civilization until very recently so this is like i'm like a kid in the candy store with a lot of this stuff is like right. ooh that's something new to look into check that out you know yeah absolutely yeah they certainly talked about it quite a bit and they they made a you know, again it's one of those things you know he the answer is a matter before he hears it it's folly right um, yes, exactly. I, I had never really given the argument uh, of uh, my full attention, I guess yeah. you could say, until this past weekend. Of course, you've been talking about it as well, and we've been talking about it here on this show, but like this past weekend was like, okay, this is pre-Edemic 101. Like, mm-hmm. And they're right. going through like scripture, 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 this, that, and the other thing, and yes. various things. Um, we got about 10 minutes before the end of this show. Probably we'll just save the animal apocalypse. I think that's the next chapter. Yeah, that's a good idea. For the next one. But in the meantime, uh, there was something I stumbled across this week, uh, in the last couple of days, 
when I was looking through, a, a guy called me up and uh, he's like, ever considered the tablets of destiny? Because he was asking me, how did, he, he's like, actually several people this last week or so asked me about how did Nimrod become a giant? And, uh-huh. uh, which is what prompted me to go back and look at some of my older work. And, um, in particular, that uh, future Congress uh, lecture I gave that that's when I gave the mythology and the coming great deception, and the uh, Mount Hermon Roswell lectures, the first time on the public scene given those uh, lectures, and it was that was like just the beginning of it. Like that's just get your feet wet, and mm-hmm. after that is when I started diving in and looking at the whole began to become a Gaborim, and right. you know it's this mighty one in the earth and. Uh, when, of course, people who believe in the Sethite theory and don't believe that you know the angels came down and don't believe that Nimrod became a giant, what they what they fail to understand is okay. The Septuagint tells you he began to become a giant, and uh, when I looked into the Greek there, because David became uh, David and his mighty men, you know, uh, also uses Gabor Gaborim, the, being the plural. And even God himself is referred to that way. So we can't say, okay, Gaborim is synonymous with Nephilim because it can mean just, you know, a powerful person. Mighty man. A, yeah. a mighty man. And and we know that David's mighty men weren't Nephilim because they were busy killing Nephilim. Right. You know, right. they were commissioned to kill him. Uh, <clears throat> but when the uh, Hebrew scholars were translating into the Greek Septuagint, they chose a different word. For for both translations, for Gaborim regarding David and his mighty men, and Gaborim regarding Nimrod, with uh, Nimrod, they, they if I remember right, it was uh, Gigantus, from mm-hmm. from which the you know Greek word from which we get the word giant. Giant, right? So that's why in Brenton's uh, English translation of the Septuagint, it says giant, because they took the Hebrew word Gaborim, but understood the context of what Nimrod what happened to him. And and grab the Greek word gigantes for Gaborim uh, in Genesis uh, when it's talk about Nimrod, but in David's case in the Mighty Men they chose ton dynaton, which is like dynamite the the root word for like dynamite. So oh, nice. so they they knew the difference in uh-huh. t- same Hebrew word, but right. chose different Greek words that were much more specific. So you get you get giant. For Nimrod, but you get mighty man as, as in the sense of like dynamite, just powerful warriors. Uh, <clears throat> in the case of uh, David's Gaborim, uh, so you know I w- that's when I w- was doing all that research and looking at all that. You know, this is going back ten years ago now. Uh, but this guy contacted me and it was like, so how do you think he began? You know, we, we agreed that he wasn't born that way. How did he become that way? And I said, well, you know, there's an interesting passage in Jubilees where it says that uh, Canaan, son of our, I think it was our Faxad, uh, if I remember right. Right, yes. Uh, who's excluded from the King James uh, in the Table of Nations in Genesis 10. But in the Septuagint and other translations, he's in there. Um, that he found some tablets of the Watchers, yes. and it says that he sinned because of it, and he hid it from Noah. And that's all right. we get. That's uh-huh. all he's like, what? That's all we get. Yeah. Um, and when I was looking at that, it's like, uh, it was it Shem, Arfaxad, Canaan? You have Ham, uh, Cush, Nimrod. So that means Nimrod and Canaan were first cousins. They were contemporaries. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was my theory that, okay, Nimrod may have gotten together with this cousin, looked at this stuff, and they're looking at their other cousin, Canaan, over there. And these guys are, you know, 
approaching 20, 30 feet tall, you know, right, and growing. Right. And they're like, hey, what if we could do that too, you know? Right, and right, exactly. That Nimrod may have then taken that information and done something to profane himself. The, the word began there is the same word used for profaning and for uh, yeah. prostitution and other things like that. Right. So, so some sort of sexual defilement, he he changed himself. So this mm-hmm. guy calls me and he's asking, he's like, so he's like, Rob, I know you, you've kind of linked Nimrod to various other gods of antiquity. What do you think of the Tablets of Destiny? And uh, I wasn't aware of the Tablets of Destiny, were you? Have you ever heard of the Tablets of Destiny? Yeah, I haven't, actually. I've got it up on the screen. Oh, of course, we got five minutes left on the broadcast. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, this would be a rabbit trail for you then, because it's been one for yeah. me. Yeah, I love uh, Stuff. Yeah, this is uh, the Tablets of Destiny are on the breast of Marduk from the ancient image of Marduk. The Tablets of Destiny are clearly seen. Um, it says uh, in Mesopotamian mythology, the Tablets of Destiny was envisaged as a clay tablet inscribed with cuneiform writing, also impressed with cylinder seals, which as permanent legal document conferred upon the god Enlil his supreme authority as rule of the universe. Others talk about. Uh, records that the arrival of the sons of Anu in the valley between the two rivers, the first object was brought with them were two or more tablets of shiny bronze-like appearance that held immense power and knowledge. And so you know, I'm going, okay, now uh, there's one of two ways I could look at this, maybe, maybe three ways, but at least two ways, the tablets of destiny being these are the tablets that maybe Canaan found that Nimrod used to sin because of it and profaned himself and became a giant or could these have something to do with the writings of Enoch don't know yeah very interesting and something to consider and I do remember reading about these that these things were prized amongst the Anunnaki Mm -hmm. and they speak about even stealing them from one another and, and going to great lengths to to gain them because they did have power, and so I do remember reading about them uh, in the Sumerian mythologies, and so. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, of course, I'm, I'm about ready to release that video uh, again, the um, mythology coming great deception. I had a video out that, that was the original video that I shot locally that, that I made into a DVD to bring with me to sell at that conference. Uh, which was the first time ever doing that talk, and then uh, doing it in Branson, I improved upon it. So it's actually a better version of the mythology talk. So for those of you who have already seen it on YouTube, I, this one's, a, a, in my opinion, a better version, uh, a, a cleaner version of it. But it makes you think, like, you know, there's so much richness in the ancient world that in, King Wells has a book, Ancient Myths in the Bible, and in the mm-hmm. book he says, you know, it, we should look at the Bible from a mythological worldview. And right. Now, of course, we say we should look at everything from a biblical worldview, and he's not in denial mm-hmm. of that. But what his, his point was is that the authors of Scripture were writing at a time when the Sumerian gods were very real. Yes, the Egyptian exactly. gods were very real. The Greek gods right. were very real. Like there were, There's things that are written both in books like Enoch and Joshua and Jubilees as well as the canonized texts that we don't get because right. we didn't have the, the, the culture. Like, you know, they, they said that Barnabas was Zeus and P, uh, Paul must have been yes. Mercury. Right, right. You know, and right. it, Diana of the Ephesians, like, they're like, well, we all know she fell from Jupiter. It, you, mm-hmm. You're like, what? Huh? What? 
like something fell from Jupiter and there was a woman and they honored her with the, you know, like they, these were very real to the people of those days. Right. And w- connecting Apollo to Nimrod was a difficult thing for me at first until I realized when it uh, talks about in Revelation 9, 9 11, actually, that uh-huh. the, uh, the, the p- pestilence of the scorpion hybrid, you know, horsemen come out. Um, and I, when I looked into Greek mythology, it says that Apollo was the giver and stayer of plagues and pestilence. Uh, and so uh. here you got a pestilence coming out, and it says that the king over them is uh, Apollyon in, in the yes. Greek, uh, right. bad in the Hebrew, which is the destroyer. Well, right. also, if you look at the horsemen, you know, a lot of people, you know, Hal Lindsey and others say, well, that's the, see the Chinese, you know, they could fill, <laughs> two, but it says horse, there's only 67 million horses in the entire earth. So how yeah. do you get, how do you get 200 million screaming Chinamen on 60 million horses, 67 million horses? No, it's chimeric horsemen, a, cent, right. a centaur. Yes. And so I'm centaur, looking into, exactly. it, yeah, I'm looking into the mythology of the centaur and it tells you that the centaurs came from a guy named Centaurus who was a son of Apollo. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, so, like, when John wrote this, everybody back then would have been, oh, yeah, okay. You know, we've got chimer- yeah, chimeric right. centaurs coming up out of the bottomless pit, and their leader, right. you know, they would be like, yeah, they would have made the immediate connection mm-hmm. that we're missing. And, you know, that's I know you're passionate about this stuff, and I certainly am too, and, wow, we're out of time already, but awesome. We'll pick up, uh, I guess, next week on uh, your show next Thursday. And, uh, guys, stay tuned for Virtual House Church this weekend. And um, some other cool stuff on the horizon. So, thanks, everybody. All right, brother. Be blessed. Good night, all. God bless. Good night, everybody. Good night.